Welcome to Savage. I'm your host, Kelsey Kenry, CEO, wife, and mom of three. This is where you find the aligned strategy and mindset shifts to unleash your power, unlock your freedom, and step into your full potential as a CEO. Every episode is full of tough love and hard truths with a side of tactical guidance to expand your success. You ready? Let's do the damn thing. Welcome to the Bravehearted Podcast, where we are changing the way you get inspiration by allowing you to hear resilience and victory in hard stories. We discuss new methods on handling life situations so you can show up confidently in your life. We are different because instead of just giving you inspiration through stories, we give you actionable tools to make the change that you want to make. Let's live bravely today. Some of the material we talk about is deep and can sometimes be controversial. Please use headphones when listening in public or around children. All right. Welcome to episode four of the Bravehearted podcast. I'm Mindy, career coach and business guru. Hi, guys. It's Kelsey, and I am a life coach and personal development speaker working with women all over the world. And today we have my very good friend, Tanya. And Tanya is a mother of four and has her own doula practice. And a fun fact for Tanya is she was the doula for my home birth with Brooklyn. So we share lots of amazing memories together. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you for being here and taking a break from your million children. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, okay. So can you, just for anybody that doesn't know who you are, can you just tell us like, who are you now and what do you do? I am a mother to four, close to a million, kind of close. My newest is 10 month old and a three-year-old, a six-year-old and a 15-year-old. I am married to my best friend. I am a birth doula and a certified hypnobirthing instructor. And also I'm certified in evidence-based birth education. So I can also teach some of their curriculum as well. Yeah. And that's amazing that you did that because I think that it was really powerful. I remember, you know, us working together and originally I planned a hospital birth and you never pushed anything on me. You were never like, you should do a home birth. You should do this all you did was encourage me to educate myself. And so in doing that, I got to make that decision on my own. So, you know, obviously working with you personally, I just love that, like, that's your approach. And it's not like pushy, like you have to do it this way, or this is the right way or any of that. As far as like what we like to do here and and on the podcast and what we're planning on with interviews, a big thing that we felt was missing was talking to people who really have been through like hard stuff. And I know your story, obviously, but I just think that you have a really powerful story. And I think it would help a lot of people to really know where you've come from to make make it where you are now. 
So can you share, just start wherever you feel comfortable and share a little bit about your history and, and what you've been through. So are we, we going way back, like childhood back? You can share as much or as little as you feel comfortable. Well, we'll, we'll do a brief, we'll do a brief childhood. Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't all roses and butterflies. Parents were divorced when I was three. Mm-hmm. The only memories that I have of my mom and dad together were them fighting. Just without getting into too much detail, they split. My mom was married seven, eight times. So needless to say, there was a lot of men in and out of my life. I kind of was closed off. You know, it's funny that I'm talking just briefly on this childhood, not to get off topic, but my six-year-old Malayla was asking to look at pictures a little bit ago. And we were looking at some of my childhood pictures. She was, you know, she was like, mom, you never smiled in any of your pictures. And I was like, wow, you know what? You're right. It's really hard. And I'm looking and my husband's looking and he's like, man, you weren't. He's like, we were just joking. He was like, you always look so mad in all your pictures. I mean, from age five, all the way up, we, I found some from elementary, from middle school, from high school. And I just, I wasn't happy. It kind of saddened me that I had to explain a little bit to Malayla about that. It wasn't like my childhood was so tragic. I mean, my mom tried her best. Right. But I mean, I grew up in South St. Pete. I used to walk home from school. I barely saw my mom. I mean, my older sister used to cook meals for me. Mm-hmm. And then I also had an older brother, but he ended up, my dad ended up getting custody of him. So it was just my sister and I hmm. for a while. So... I mean, it wasn't really the best upbringing. I, um, she tried her best, like I said. However, I wasn't the happiest. I had a lot of my own insecurities. You know, I tried to just focus on softball and playing sports. And then um, I figured, oh, I was good at something. So let me try to excel in this. And I got in high school, just tried to avoid fights, smoked a ton of weed. My mom didn't know because she was never home. Uh, yeah, that's that's childhood. But, you know, I, I believe, you know, a lot of that and even looking back when I'm showing those pictures to my daughter and like what I'm trying to explain to her is that there's a lot of bad stuff that can happen to us. However, like I used to be a very negative, sad, mad person, quick to pop off at anything. It's crazy. Like when people meet me now, they're like, whoa, this is birth doula and she's all chill and calm and like, you know, the complete opposite of what I was. And I just choose to be positive. It's just completely changed. I was just going to say, that's really, you know, it's interesting because I have a very similar story. Did you find that it was hard for you to form relationships, um, you know, like romantic relationships, you know, as you got older because of what you went through with your father? Oh, yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I didn't even have my first boyfriend until I was 18 years old, though. See, for me and seeing my mom bring men in and out of my life, I avoided it. So for me, I feel like, hey, I guess you could go either way with that. But I avoided it. And I used to chalk it up to I was just like this ugly duckling. And I'm like, oh, it really wasn't that bad looking, looking back. I'm like, I just was like, oh, you know, I used to just think I was this ugly duckling. Boys didn't like me. And then now I just think it was my mentality that I just pushed everybody away. 
I think it's interesting that you bring up the point about it going either way too, because my childhood was very similar with my mom and I was the person that went the opposite way. I was the person that was experimenting with all kinds of sexual things at a very young age and like using my body to get some sort of attention. So it's just, it's so interesting. And I carried so much shame from that because when I was raped and when I continued to use my body in that way, I felt like I was wrong for that because I'm like, well, if I was raped, wouldn't I be scared? It's just crazy that the things that we can tell ourselves and like how we come out of those situations. I know that, you know, going fast forwarding a little bit, your first marriage, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, why not? More adversity, right? Here we go. Yeah, so I finally, because you know, I bartended, I ran beer tubs, like I was in school though. I was, I was getting an education, but that was my job. So I was still kind of around certain environment. You know, I was actually working as a Bud Light girl that night. Great place to meet my ex-husband. I'll see how that turned out. So we were married for five years. When we were married, I was kind of just that complacent housewife We had a daughter, Ariana, my firstborn. When she was four years old, he told me he no longer loved me. And I I mean, I didn't see it coming. We had normal issues like everybody else. But I mean, I was heartbroken because once again, I came from my mom being married seven, eight times. I honestly don't know that number and it could be nine. I didn't want to fail. I felt like I had failed. And I would have done anything in my power Thankfully that we aren't together because I have my best friend and the love of my life. But in that moment, I would have done anything in my power, no matter how abusive mentally he was to me and what was going on, that I would have just accepted it because I felt like that's what I had to do. I packed up everything I owned in my car the day after Christmas because he had a New Year's vacation plan with his new girlfriend. I lived in Jacksonville at the time. So I drove four hours back home, and thankfully, my sister, who once again was the one that was cooking meals for me at the age of 10 years old in my kitchen, um, who's amazing, she took me in. My daughter slept in her daughter's room. Um, I slept on the couch for about three months until I could get on my own feet, got my own place. Those were a rough three months. I was devastated. I had completely hit rock bottom. I mean, I was in my 30s, like acting like I was 21 and in high school, like trying drugs and shit for the first time that like, who touches this stuff? Like I'm a grown woman. Like this is not something to experiment in. But I was like, oh, what's that? Sure. I'll try that shit. Like I was taking it all, doing it all. Like whatever could take my mind off of the present and help to ease my pain. Oh, I was game on. Like as soon as my, as soon as my daughter went to sleep, I was out, man. I didn't come home. I would have maybe an hour to sleep. Sometimes I wouldn't even have enough time to sleep. I would come back and take a shower at my sister's just in time to take my daughter to school the next morning to go carpool at 7 a.m. and go work all day just to be so excited to put her to bed to do it again. I mean, it was a vicious cycle. And then once I moved out, this was about 
I, so I got my own place after three months because I had a good job. And then once I, um, moved down, got my own place, I found an apartment within my sister's complex. There were nights she would go to her dad's house or she would go sleep over my sister's and I didn't even make it into the damn house. Like I didn't even make it into my apartment. I'd be sleeping on my step and waking up the next morning at like six, seven a.m. Like not even inside my house. Mm. But then I would just laugh it off, like, "Oh, texting my friends." I'm like, "Oh, that's a hell of a night." Like, here I am, a mom, right, thirty something years old, like just laughing this off. Like, this is okay. This is not okay. It's so funny how in those situations, like the numbing is like the first thing you reach for. Oh yeah. It worked. I was doing every, I mean, I could not wait to get home. I could not wait to put her to bed. And that's the sad thing is like, I thank God that stuff changed when it did. And you know, there's not too much of her life that I impacted in a negative way. Right. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't think of that, honestly. Um, I don't think about, you know, driving the wrong way on a one-way road and going like a mile and then realizing like, what the hell, what am I doing? I don't even remember. And even when I did remember how I got home, like not like, not even like being able to piece together the night. Like I couldn't even tell you. You know, like I can't, how am I driving? Like now as a mom of four, the only thing I think about, God, it was New Year's Eve and I was going to pick up takeout dinner mm-hmm. and I'm old, you know, I'm 41 years old. I'm like, oh shit, I got to get home. All these crazy people on the road. Like, I'm like, I can't even be out here in all this. You know what I mean? Like, no, I got to get home. And like the only thing I think about, like, thank God though, I didn't ever hurt anybody. Like in my heart, like that is the one thing I think about, like, you know, because I don't even remember driving. Mm -hmm. I was so lit, you know? I think all three of us share that same experience to where we've been in a position to where there was definitely driving that shouldn't have happened. And I I never got caught. Thank God I never hurt anybody. But I think that it's so funny you said that, Tanya, because I said the same thing to my husband the other day. I was like, like, I'm sick and I've been sick, but I was like, we are not going anywhere. We are not doing anything. Like, we are staying home. The car is staying parked. People are crazy. Like, and it's just so funny. Like, you go from being this one person who loves doing that kind of stuff, and then you think back on what you did, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So bring it like full circle for us. You, you went through all of this hard stuff as a child, uh, a split home and, and those situations with your parents, you had, a, a marriage that you went through who luckily Ariana came from that because she's incredible. And so, you know, you told us about your career, but tell us more about now and the success that you have in your life. I love, love, love what I do. Um, And how I got started, can I tell you how I got started? Yeah, please. So adversity brought me to such an amazing place, finding my passion. As you know, I was kind of starting into the whole fitness coaching too as well, because I look to you to be my mentor for a little bit of time. So, cause I was trying to find a female coach that was doing it 
and I'm like, Kelsey's amazing. Let me speak to her. So I kind of, you know, and even with my husband doing it, I still wanted some help from you. So I was kind of just putting my toes in the water a little bit. I had a pretty traumatic experience with my second in the hospital. What happened with Malayla was there was a whole lot of not informed consent. There was, you know, I'm going to use this vacuum to get your baby out or you're going to have a cesarean. It was, and I was only in the hospital. I, I remember getting to the hospital and I was like six centimeters, which knowing what I know now, I was so close. If somebody would have looked me in the eyes and was like, you got this, you can totally do this. I would have been fine. But I mean, I have my husband who loves me more than life itself. We weren't educated. I mean, we just thought, oh, we're going to go in there and like, you're strong, babe. You got this. Like, if you don't want to have a girl, you're not going to get it. That has nothing to do with what's going on up here. I mean, I was squatting 250 pounds at the time, right? And I could, boy, I tapped out real quick. It got crazy in the hospital. And I was like, okay, you know, water broke. It picked up. They came in. So the water broke, and that's when the intensity picked up. They asked me if I wanted an epidural. I was like, yes, give me an epidural now. Um, they came in. They gave me the epidural. And this had only been from like 30 minutes from they had last checked me. And I was around like six, seven centimeters, which in my experience too, mm -hmm. I shouldn't even have gotten, you know, baby was low. I, I didn't need any interventions. So they came in, gave me the epidural within like 15 minutes, the doctor comes in to check me and she's like, the baby's head's right here. You need to push this baby out now. And I'm like, what the hell? I can't even feel my legs. How am I going to push any baby out? I can't feel anything. So I'm crying. I am like shaking because now she's threatening that we're going to have an emergency cesarean if I can't push my baby out. William, thank God, he, he asked her, he was like, can we just have a few minutes? And watch is crazy because without any education, this is actually what I teach my clients now is when somebody suggests an intervention, the first thing you should say is, can I have some time to talk this over with my partner or my doula, whoever is in that room, whoever you are consulting with, you need time to discuss it with them. If it's not an emergency for your life or the life of your baby. She left mm -hmm. the room all crazy. And he comes and he looks me in the eye and he's like, listen, you have to. He gets down at eye level and he's like, you have to calm down. He said, because if you don't calm down, you're not going to be able to relax and your body's not going to be able to perform. He's like, all this stress is affecting your baby as well. So I'm like, okay, you're right. You're, you know, so I get calm. The doctor comes back in. She's like, okay. She was just straight nasty. She was like, all right, I'm coming back in 40. I'm going to give you 45 minutes and then I'll come back and we need to get this baby out. Cause now the heart rate was back at normal. Because during all this, her heart rate was decelerating. Of course, her heart rate was decelerating because you pressed out. So we get the heart rate back to normal. She comes in, as she said, about an hour right. later. Right. Baby's head's right there. I mean, she's ready to come. Um, so there, my epidural isn't fresh. So the hope is that I can feel a little more, which I really still couldn't. I can't even tell you how the hell I pushed her out because I couldn't feel anything. I just like straight willpower. Like I did everything. I mean, I prayed. I was like, 
just get this baby out. You know, she was yelling at the nurses this entire time, by the way, too. Who gave her the epidural? You know, the baby's head was right there. She should have never had it. Um, now she can't push. So I'm going to have to use the vacuum. And she's like showing me like it's, you know, a weapon. Like I'm going to have to use it. I had no clue what that is. And I'm not sure if you do, but like, I didn't know because I wasn't educated on the matter. Right. So I'm like, I don't even know what she's holding as she's opening. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And, um, tried it a few times and was, you know, got Malayla out. But now like looking back in the education that I have too, like I would never be okay with that unless it was an emergency. Baby's heart rate was fine. It wasn't an emergency. She was just being impatient. That's all that was. However, I tore. Um, There could have been injuries with the vacuum. The more that I have researched afterward, I was lucky. You know, there was no injuries to Malayla. I tore pretty bad. But other than that, I mean, and just the traumatic experience of all the fighting and the yelling on what's supposed to be the beautiful, most beautiful day of my life, no matter how many children I have, every single experience should be magical. So when I got pregnant with my third, I just remember Mm -hmm. I was probably about three or four months and I just knew I'm not going to have this experience again. And somebody had came to me and they had told, they're like, do you, why don't you hire a doula? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. remember? Cause it was you, you were the one that were talking about a doula cause you had a doula. That's true. I did. Okay. I forgot about this conversation. So you were, so you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. 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 So you were talking about, you know. um, Yeah, because I had a doula with Cameron for my my first birth, which was awful. But I had a doula. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that it, it makes sense that because everything and this is what we always come back to here is like everything that we go through is always a lesson for us if we choose to look at it that way. And so, you know, going through that birth experience with Malayla, it's like, I don't want to do that again. So what can I do? It must have been, you must have felt so powerless in that moment. Like I just couldn't imagine having like something that's supposed to be so magical and beautiful, just kind of stripped from you and having someone pressure you and tell you like, you have to do this. That had to have been terrifying. It was. And and like, I would like to think I'm a, you know, a strong woman. And that's what I try to tell people all the time. No matter how strong you are, birth is the most vulnerable position you will ever be in in your life. And I tell women that, and that's why we must educate. And I mean, Kelsey, you know, you can be witness to that. You know, I think you are. You, I mean, you're one of the most strongest women I've ever met. And we can fall to that. Anyway, so when I I found out about this magical woman who was going to be by my side, and this was not going to happen to me again, I was actually talking also to um, your cousin. Is your cousin, Kels? Um, Oh, yeah, Jill. Mm -hmm. Eric's cousin. And um, about heart home birth. And then I have one of my um, other really close friends, Chi-Chi who was really there for me during all of this as well. Um, She had had a home birth. And um, 
So I just started researching and digging a little more. Um, it's funny because I actually hired the doula before I switched to home birth as you. So I was about six months along. I was planning on giving birth in a hospital. And I was like, uh, yeah, no. Like the more education that I got, I'm like, I, I can do this. I'm going to do this at home because I feel like I don't want any other options. I'm low risk. I'm healthy. My baby's healthy. And we're going to do this at home because I don't want those other opportunities to be there. So yeah, I had a magical experience at home when my baby was born in the water. And this is where I was getting, because when I, I was doing a little bit of fitness coaching with William and, you know, I, I had Kelsey kind of help me, like mentor me beforehand. And I looked at William when Maximus came out and I was like, peace out. I am not doing anything in this fitness no more. I'm like, this right here is where it's at. Like, I just experienced magic. Like, women need to experience this. Like, we need to know how powerful we are. Yeah. Ah, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to just figure this out. Like, what do I need to do now? I'm going to be a doula. Right there in that moment, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what was placed in my heart. And this is what I'm going to do. It's so funny because I always talk about when people are like, whether it's clients or anybody else are talking to me about passions and like how they, they don't know their passions or something like this. I'm like, you know what? So often we don't know until we're already in it. What I think is really incredible is that you've like, not only did you feel that passion and realize it, but you acted on it immediately. And I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Maximus was your first home birth. And now you have Ocean, who was your second home birth. So exciting that you got to have two of them at home. I know what that power feels like, obviously. And I always tell people, I'm like, I don't think it's any coincidence that the changes and that I've made in my business and in my life were like sparked by Brooklyn's birth. My next question for you is, so you found your passion. You're in this moment. You're like, this is where I know I need to be. So then obviously you had Maximus. And then what did you do from there? So I researched, you know, I, um, I figured out what was the best, um, where was the best place to get my doula certification from. I got, I attained my doula certification. I actually volunteered my entire first year as a doula. Um, I became hypnobirthing certified as well. Cause I just, I find, you know, a lot of people think that hypnobirthing is just voodoo, like pendulum completely not. It's science. It's your brain. It's women who feel threatened during labor. It's, you know, the fight or flight response. So I wanted to dig more into that hypnobirthing and why that I didn't experience the pain that I felt in the hospital. Why, why didn't I feel that at home? Because my mind was so prepared, right? And the body works with that. Yeah. So I became hypnobirthing certified within the first year. And like I said, I volunteered my entire first year. I got to be at some amazing, amazing magical births and nothing short of when I can be at the birth of Brooklyn. I mean, one of my closest friends, like you have no idea, like that moment is still like so fresh in my head, you know, and, and not, I mean, just to see you come into your power, just knowing like, you know, like I remember you just sitting there like I did it like, yeah, you did do it. Like, 
You know what I mean? This is that. That's like the first thing that I said. It was like, cool, the baby's here, but (laughs) fuck yeah. Yeah, and that's what we all do. We all Mm -hmm. all do that because society just brainwashes us for so many years the other way. Right. But uh, yeah, so I went, I, I got my certifications and then I just became a big birth nerd along the way. This past year, I got my evidence-based birth certification because I, I was seeing that I was sending a lot of my clients to the evidence-based birth site. And then once I saw that she actually has certifications, like, um, and I, I, she doesn't call it certifications, but she has classes to where you can become an instructor. And at the time, you know, there was only like 50 instructors at the time this past year when I did it, which was really cool. So I became, you know, an instructor with them, which I will, I plan on implementing in 2020 to teach. I mean, not only does it help my clients if I can't get a group of women in my office, but I can still share my knowledge everywhere with, with everybody. I mean, that's the goal. Cause I know when I help you, Kelsey, you're how, how many women do you help? And when, you know, one woman, it's just that trickle down, you know, it's amazing to me that just by sharing like my story, and I'm sure you get the same thing because you post about Maximus and, and Ocean, that people have messaged me to tell me that they had home births because of me. And I'm like, that is insane to me. So, but you know, what's really cool about it too, is like, it's not even just about like the home birth, right? Because like, it's about the power that you feel and being able to show that you are powerful. And even if it's not like home birth, you can take that power with you everywhere and really tapping into what's on the inside. And it's like, you know, Tanya, you said it perfectly. Like we've been brainwashed, right? We've been brainwashed to think that things are a certain way and they really don't have to be that way. So it is the trickle down effect. You know, Tanya, you impacted Kelsey. Kelsey impacts all of her clients. And, you know, it's it's an incredible, beautiful thing that we all get to be a part of. So it's really cool. Yeah. And that's a good point, Mindy, is that it really is so much, not even necessarily about like home birth. It's about that power and exactly what Tanya said, just like coming into your power. And like, we can find that in a variety of ways, but it's just like to be able to feel that for, to, to help somebody witness that and feel that like in, in some way is like, there's no words. Yeah. No, I mean, I am like, I'm blown away. Every birth that I go to, I'm like, I get paid to do this. This is crazy. I'm on a high. Like I had two births that were back to back just a little bit ago. I didn't even sleep for 48 hours. I think I, I talked to you about it. And, um, everybody's like, are you, you know, are you okay? You need to go take an, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm amazing. Do you know on what kind of high I'm on right now to even be able to witness? I'm humbled every single time a woman allows me into her birthing space, into that intimate, vulnerable space of hers. Like I'm humbled, you know, that I could even play a small role in that. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a big key because not to steer us away from talking so much about birth because I could talk about it all day, but I want to make sure that we're, you know, opening it up a little more general because the thing is, is that you have such a powerful story because of everything that you've been through. And it's inspiring for people to know, like, it doesn't matter your age or what you've been through, or if you're out there trying all kinds of drugs at 30, whatever, like, you can still find your passion. You can still choose a different path. So 
a question I have for you is when you think about the stuff that you've been through in your past, how have you flipped your perspective or how have you changed those things in a way that have driven you more forward? Good question. I feel like it's my attitude towards it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, honestly, like, I don't even feel like, yeah, there was some, you know, pretty bad stuff that happened to me, happened around me growing up and in my life. But I feel like the main takeaway is, you know, we really can't control others. We can't control the actions of others and why there's stuff, I guess it's maybe like the victim, you know, it's the whole victim thing, right? Like, I never want to feel like I was a victim. Like, I feel like if I, if that didn't happen to me, if a lot of that stuff didn't happen to me, I wouldn't have been able to help guide you through your birth. Right. Like, I feel like all of my adversities happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm not one to be like, oh man, I regret like, yeah. I mean, I, I sound like pretty silly, like, you know, doing all the drugs and the alcohol and drinking till I couldn't see anymore. But honestly, I don't take any of that shit back. No, It happened to me for a reason. And that's why I'm here right now. Like I'm thriving. Like I'm married to my husband. I'm, I don't even call it work. It's a passion. I'm doing what I love. I fell into that from a traumatic experience as well. So I just feel like, you know, no matter what you believe in, I believe in the Lord. I feel like these things happen to me, you know, for a bigger purpose. I have a bigger story to tell. And no matter what you believe in, you have to know that there's something larger than you out there. You know what I mean? You have a bigger story. It's a bigger picture. Mindy says it really well. What do you say, Mindy, about how, you know, it's not what happens, it's not what happens to you or what do you say? Things happen for you, not to you. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I really, everything you said, Tanya, like I feel 100%. It is all about your perspective. And, you know, if you hadn't been through all those things, you're exactly right. You wouldn't be able to impact all of the women that you've impacted, all the people that you've impacted. And I think that we all have to remember how lucky we are, A, just to be alive, um, but B, to be able to have a small amount of time in this world to make an impact on people. So you have to either, you know, take it and be grateful for it. Otherwise you're just going to be sitting there in the victim mindset and that's not a good place for anybody to be. So good. Yeah. Such a good point. It's just a vicious cycle, right? But people live there forever. You know, people will, No, they do. I see people will play the blame game and people will refuse to own themselves their stories, like all that. And I'm like, that's what's holding you back. I see it all the time. Like, do you feel like when you finally were able to own your story, like when you can sit here and confidently say, I did all those things, but I'm still this great person. I'm still doing these great things, but just because I did all that stuff, it's okay. Like that is so powerful took a lot. Yeah. It's just, I can't imagine having a story like yours or like Mindy's or like mine and just holding that. Because to me, I look at it like if you don't use that for you, you're literally doing a disservice to other people. It's selfish. 
Yeah. Yes, exactly. I love that. I love that. And when people say to the, they, you're sharing certain things for attention or you, you know, how like society wants to say this now. Um, just like when I share, I don't drink alcohol anymore. Mm-hmm. Random stuff that we, you know, our personal stuff that we share. If I can help one person come to light about that or feel comfortable enough to come to me like, oh man, she spoke about, I've been having a problem with that for years. Like I was, you know, I respect her. I'm going to, I've gotten so many messes just on the not drinking part. Yeah. I can only imagine because I feel like it's so common, especially with moms too, because it's this normalized, like, oh, I'm going to drink this whole bottle of wine tonight because Mm -hmm. my kids stressed me out. And I'm like, Covering once again, masking your, tr- yeah, let's get, you know, to the real, you know, story of what's going on. What is causing you to drink? Cause uh, if there's anything that I know, I know how to mask stuff. Right. Same. <laughs> I feel ya. <laughs> I'm good with that. So. You put yourself in this vicious cycle, right? Cause if you're going to drink that entire bottle of wine, because you're trying to deal with what's going on in your life you're going to wake up the next morning and you're going to feel absolutely awful. And Mm -hmm. so you're going to go through that whole entire next day feeling terrible, which is going to put you in that same mindset the next night of my life is so hard. Things are so hard. And then you just keep like rinse and repeating and you've got to find a way to break out of that. And I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why we have this podcast is to talk about how we can break out of those cycles. Yeah. Which kind of leads right into my next question, Tanya. So when you think about like any or all of these traumatic experience in your experiences in your life, what is it or what, what tools do you, can you think of that helped you overcome and keep moving forward? Uh, just being positive. I mean, honestly, the, my, my biggest tool, and I know a lot of people don't have children, they can't really say this, but what what makes you want to wake up every morning? For me, that was my daughter. When I went through my lowest point, mm-hmm. it was, it was my daughter. You know, I was a single mom at that time. Mm-hmm. She made me want to, to get up and, you know, every day and to keep going. Like, I just realized like, what, what am I doing? Like, well, I don't know. I just feel like one day you just put it all together. Positivity is like my biggest thing right now. And like what I force upon my children as well. You know, like we can all look at, we can look at one thing and some people are going to see the negative in it always. And some people are always going to see the positive, you know, they can find a little bit of positive in it and see that's always been me now lately. I'm just trying to stay on that positive side. Like knowing that with these bad experiences that I have had mm-hmm. is that there has been good that's came out of it. Yeah. So it's almost like, because you've been through traumatic experiences, like from a young age, it was like, okay, I know that I got through that and I'm, and I'm made it this far. So it's almost more about yes, choosing positivity, but almost a flip in your perspective to where you get just see things differently. Yeah, of course. And I think perspective is so important because it's like, you can look at the same, the exact same situation, the exact same situation, so many different ways. Let me ask you this. When um first first before before we start wrapping up, I want to ask you when you talk about 
finding your purpose and your purpose being Ariana in those hard moments before her, what do you think your purpose was? That's a good question. That's a deep question. My purpose in life? Yeah, so here's my thought. And maybe this is a better question. Maybe we need to delete that question. I'm thinking about, I know that you have been a stay-at-home mom and you homeschool your children and that you've been in the position where you are full-time mom. I also, as your friend, have seen you come into this role since you have started this business and had your own career. And I would almost argue to say that, yes, your children give you that reason to wake up in the morning because they're going to bother you until you wake up anyways. (laughs) (laughs) But I almost feel like that in a lot of situations with moms, we need something outside of that to drive us to. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I know that I found... I know what that is. I know exactly what you're saying. Is I, I, I have found that. I have found that when I am at, when I was at your birth, I found that at all of my births, like for the first couple of births that I were at, I, that I was at, I was like, this is it. Like, I know why I'm here. It's not just to be a mom. Um, yeah, that's the most amazing thing in the world to me. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like I was put here for a purpose. Like that is definitely my other purpose is that I am here to educate women and help to advocate for them and to advocate for themselves and to help them, you know, come into their power. So for sure, I feel like that's my purpose. Yeah. And being able to have that purpose and lean into that educational part, Mm -hmm. I think that that's like, that's what I see in you. That's what that like educational piece that is like you were born to give back in a way because you are such a like patient, just like everything you do is with so much heart that that's why I asked that question because I understand that our children definitely give us purpose. Mm -hmm. But I also understand that we have purpose without them as well. And what I'm finding is with like working with clients is that sometimes if we don't have that other purpose, it can affect our parenting even. No, I've seen it happen with me. When I felt like, and again, you know, I have four children, I homeschool. I'm in the thick of it. You are are legally insane. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If I don't have something for me, myself, and I'm not talking about a damn bath or, you know, the self-care people are like, go take a bath. What? Okay, that's great and all. That's great. I need to get out the house. I need to feel like I'm doing something. I need to feel like, you know, the world is impacted you know, by what I'm doing, like I'm creating change. And that's how I really feel. I feel like I'm creating generational change within women and their children, their children's children. It's all generational, right? I love that. Yeah, for sure. Like if I don't have 
that drive and that purpose. I mean, there was a, there was a while that, you know, a, a good time period to where I felt like I was just getting burned out because I didn't have that. It was the same thing day in and day. I'm like, is it bedtime yet? Like what I'm less dinner time. Is it bedtime? Like, you know, what time can we wrap this up? You know, it sounds horrible to say, but I'm, you know, I didn't have that drive, that passion. And that's exactly why I asked that question because I've seen that shift in you and I've seen it in so many women when they do have something outside of mothering because motherhood is amazing and we do get the opportunity to raise good humans that can go on and be world changers and that's fantastic but we don't just have to do that instill those things in other people in that way we can also make our own path and and create that change now while we parent love it and i think that's what you're doing now and i think that that's why I, I, I just think that like you radiate that passion and it's like, I've always known that you were a good mom, but I just feel like that since you found your real passion in this, it's changed you. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. So a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up. So if you could leave our audience with one takeaway from today, what would it be? To find your passion. And don't worry about what other people say, the opinions of others. You know, you, you know how hard that is, you know? And that was like us, even when I'm sure when you told people about home birth, how many people thought you were nuts? I mean, imagine being the woman that's going to support women on birth. Like, you know what I mean? Because society just thinks birth is on your back. It's painful. You're in the hospital. You know, so it's like, I really had to ignore a lot of people and say, no, 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 this is what I'm doing. Wait and see. And I'm going to create change, you know? So it's kind of just trusting your instinct as well. Respecting your inner voice, you know, that intuition. Mm. Respect that. Don't, don't let all that outside noise get in the way, you know, because they'll try. So it's just kind of, and taking the smallest steps, the smallest action steps towards it. Yeah, which is actually my next question. So what do you think is one like actionable thing that people can do to help find their passion? Well, what makes you happy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What lights you up? I mean, I feel like it's just like exercise, you know, and people are, they're, they're going to work out and they hate it. They're complaining the whole time. I'm like, why are you doing it then? Go figure out something else. Like get out of the gym, go run, like figure out what lights you up, what makes you happy. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's really just the things that excite you, that, that light your fire, do more of that. And I think there's something a lot of times I'll do with clients. It's, it's similar. Like we start there and it's an exploration phase of if you don't know what you like, go out and just start doing stuff because it's like, you don't know what you're passionate about until you push the baby out in the water and you're like, well, shit, (laughs) that's it for me. Right. (laughs) 
Yeah. Or breathe down the baby, we should say, right? That's so true though, Kelsey. (laughs) I think that's a really good point. Um, It's something that I realized myself. I had no idea that I had passion to manage people or be in sales or any of that until I kind of just fell into it and started loving it. And I realized how good that feeling was of, you know, like helping to change someone's career, helping to, you know, change someone's life with whatever I was working on. And, you know, finding that and chasing it and recognizing it is so important. You know, the second something lights up your soul, you just have to go Mm -hmm. after that. And it does require trying a lot of things. Now, I did a lot of things before I found what I was passionate about. So you can't be afraid to try and to fail. Yeah, which is a really important point because it's like sometimes we're so scared of failing that we don't even try. Yep, just getting out of that, outside the box, you know? Yeah, so I would say, you know, exploring and trying new things until you end up where you're meant to be. I, I do believe that, but your expectations need to match your efforts. Oh, yeah. For sure. A hundred percent. Like if you wake up every day and you just want to float, don't expect to change the world. Yeah. Yep. Or you hit your alarm, you know, 10 times. Snooze, snooze. Hit your ass yeah. up. Got Seriously. Yeah. yeah. your comfort zone, you know, if you don't know what your passion is, you, you got some work to do. Y- yes, exactly. And it's usually that we're so sheltered in our comfort zone that trying new things is scary. So, but I like the actionable tool that you gave of, you know, do more things that make you happy because everything branches off into something else. None of us in the positions we're in today ever thought that we would be here two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, right? Um, so where can people find you, see your stuff, hire you, all those things? Give us your info. Uh, my website is www.tanya, T-A-N-Y-A, Grazione, G-R-A-Z-I-O-N-E.com. Mm-hmm. And I am on Instagram, Tanya underscore Grazione. And I'm also on Facebook. My business page is Tanya Grazione Tampa Bay Doula. And then my personal page is Tanya Grazione. Awesome. Um, So one more question because I know somebody asked on the Instagram. Can you take us out with one last bit of education on the biggest myth that you see? Oh, this is good. All right, the biggest myth that I see, uh, everybody already knows about the pain thing. I'm, I'm going to skip over that because we're going to go to everybody thinks that you have to say yes to everything. They see the white coat, you have to automatically say yes. I'll take that. I'll take that drug. I'll take that intervention. No, you have the right to say no to anything. And it's informed consent. You deserve when somebody come presents to you 
with this intervention or anything that's, you know, they say is needing to be done, you deserve informed consent, which is knowing the pros and the cons and what that specific is doing. Yeah. And you can say no to anything. Yeah. That's, that's, I think, I think a lot of people really don't know that. So I, I love that. So, um, I just want to say thank you for being here and for sharing your story and your wonderfulness that is you. Um, is there anything else that you want to say before we go? No, thank you so much for having me. You ladies are amazing and I wish you the best on this amazing podcast. I just love what you're doing. Um, as you said, there's no, I, I have not heard of another one that is, you know, addressing the specific concerns that you guys are and what your whole, you know, way of going about it is. So I just think it's amazing. And I just adore you. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I love you and I'm happy to have you here. So a uh, real quick, before we go, I just want to say that if you haven't noticed yet, I just released my first online course. So you can go to my website, kelseykenry.com and check out the online courses there. Also, please subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review, a follow, whatever you would like to give us. Um, and one more thing, you can follow us on Instagram at the Bravehearted Podcast for more conversation there. And before we go, Mindy, what are we talking about on our next episode? So next episode is all about fear and some of the things that people struggle with when it comes to fear, some of the tools that you can take to overcome fear and live bravely. So we're really excited about that. And I just, I want to add really quickly, Tanya, thank you so much. Really enjoyed talking with you today um, and really, really excited to watch you, um, you know, in your career grow. Thank you. You as well. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us today. And don't forget to live brave. If you are a CEO or entrepreneur, I want to invite you into a space that's unlike anything out there. CEO Power Hour is a free monthly live experience that you can join in person or virtually to get your questions answered to fulfill the desires for your business. Inside this room, you bring your biggest goal, the obstacles you are experiencing, or anything you want my expertise, eyes, and ears on. This guidance, along with the ideas and inspiration from other powerful women, allows you to be fully immersed in the energy of being supported and learn in a completely new way so that you can expand your business and your life to the next level. I created CEO Power Hour to bring together powerful business owners for connection, collaboration, and coaching. This is your invitation, and it's free. The link is in the show notes, so I hope to see you at our next monthly meeting.